I just wanted to say it's been an honor this last year to, hi Brock, yes, it's been an honor to be here this week and to be here this whole year to get to know the families here at Journey. You guys are, you have awesome families, you have awesome students as well, and this last week I got to spend 28 hours with these gyms over here on a bus and really got to know them a little bit more. Um, Got to know their smells a little more on the bus. I mean, we were tight. We were tight on the bus and um, got to know each other really well. And you got some incredible kids that are about to unleash a spiritual movement on this community because God has been moving inside their hearts. Because at camp this last week, we've been focusing on not only building relationships, but on how to live a changed life because of what Jesus has done inside us. Now, over camp, we... We know that Jesus wasn't really a new person for us, for our students, but we got to know him deeper. We got to know him more intimately, to spend more time with him. And when you spend more time with him, you, you can't help but have a changed life. A week at camp is so much more than a week at home. We get to experience Jesus in a whole new way. And when in our series we're, this summer, we've been looking at old-time religion. We've been focusing on how we are looking at Scripture through the lens of the Apostles' Creed. And when we experience Jesus differently, like what we did at camp, this is, this is how the apostles, this is how the early Christians um, viewed uh, Jesus and their relationship with God. And so that's why we're taking this time uh, this summer to experience Jesus in a whole new light. Um, we've been going through the Apostles' Creed, breaking it down and looking at different sections of it. The first week that we had, uh, Pastor Christian shared about the I believe statement, about how experiencing is different than knowing, that when we experience Jesus, it changes our life in a whole new way. A couple weeks ago, where Pastor Christian gave one of the best Father's Day messages that, I, that I've ever heard, and I encourage you to go back and just listen to it, about how God is our almighty Father. And then last week, uh, we also heard about how God reveals himself through creation, through his, his creating of the heavens and the earth. And today we're going to continue in the Apostles' Creed and look at the fourth statement, uh, the I believe in Jesus Christ, who Jesus is to us. So let's go ahead and stand together and read again the Apostles' Creed. You can see that as the handout in your worship guide that's on the screen or it's even on our app as well. Let's join together and read. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. And as you're getting seated and getting readjusted, go ahead and pull a pen out and the seat back in front of you. And I'd like you to underline that statement, that, that statement that says, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Underline that, because that's where we're going to be focusing on today. 
Because, you know, we say the name Jesus a lot. We say Jesus in good terms and in bad terms. We, we talk about the man named Jesus. But what I want us to look at today is what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Jesus asked a similar question to his disciples, and he asked him what they believe. What do you believe? And I feel that if Jesus was physically standing here this morning, that he would ask us the same question. What do you believe? Some of you might not have realized that there are multiple answers to this question, but I'd like to show you that this morning. So turn to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at scripture where, where Jesus is actually meeting with his disciples uh, on a mountain in northern Israel in a, a really a mountain retreat where he was taking time with his disciples to really stop in the, the, the hustle of ministry, the, the busyness of ministry, and wanted his disciples to reset, to really refocus on the importance of what their mission was to be. You know, one of my favorite memories looking back uh, at my time in college at Truman State University was when I was training for the Army, where in August we would start our training. We'd train for three months, and in October we would be training to compete in a 24-hour competition where we'd start Friday night late, go all through the night into the morning, all the next day doing military taxes, drills, techniques, and, and testing our skills and our, our knowledge uh, through written tests, through exams, through all these different things. And so it was such a buildup that was so strenuous on our minds and in our bodies and everything. We literally took a week of rest before the competition. We took a time to reset to uh, focus on the, what was most important, that training element, why we spent all that time training and preparing for uh, that competition. So during that week, we would cut our hair, we would carbo-load, we would stretch, we would starve our bodies of physical exertion so that we could be physically prepared in order to do our best at this competition. Well, um, Jesus was doing this with his disciples. Jesus was preparing them for the long haul, for the toughest part of their ministry as they went into Jerusalem and headed even to the cross. So in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, uh, follow along as we read here. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what do you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Jonah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Did you see the difference in opinion in this reading in our scripture today? There were actually three different answers that we could have about Jesus and who he is. The first answer that we see is that Jesus is important to the world. Jesus is important to the world. When Jesus asked his closest friends who others thought that he was, they compared him to John the Baptist. 
Now, this isn't a bad answer, but it's not the best answer either. See, Jesus and John, they were similar many ways. But when you looked closely at them, looked at their importance, they were different. See, John, he was important to the world because he drew people in from all around. He even brought people out into the desert where he was into the wilderness. See, John, he was important because he stood up to political leaders and religious leaders where he ended up losing his head because he was standing up for the right things. He brought in outsiders who were shunned by the religious leaders, and he was a spectacle to be seen. Honestly, a guy wearing camel hair, eating bugs, and living on honey in the wilderness. Wouldn't you want to go see a guy like that who was trying to change the world? He was a spectacle. He was the show, so to say. But those who actually really knew Jesus and truthfully knew John even, understood that Jesus and John, or Jesus was more than John. Jesus was a cousin to John. Jesus was only six months younger than him. They were even ministering in the same area. They may have even looked alike, who knows? But Jesus was more than a show. Jesus was more. Their missions were even different. When they really got to know them, Jesus, his mission was to be the savior of the world. John, his mission was to point people to the savior of the world. They were similar, but different. Simply knowing about someone rarely affects our lives personally in a deep and meaningful way. Simply knowing about someone rarely affects how we live in a deep, meaningful way. Now, I've, I've got to tell you something. I've got a secret. I like going to Pinterest, okay? <laughs> I, 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 you might, might not think that I'm a creative type of guy, but maybe by my pink shirt you do. But I don't, I, I try to be creative once in a while. And so I go to Pinterest, look at good ideas. But to be honest, they are better than me by all chances. I mean, we see pictures on Pinterest, right, of, of beautiful artwork <laughs> of melted crayons, but to be honest, that would be my end product, right? I, that would be me, okay? We also, you know, look for baking ideas, you know, of, you know, you, this is you before the cookie and then after the cookie, right? This can even be us. So it just doesn't turn out the way we would think it. And, and what about those perfect family photos, right? This is what you want. This is what you dream. But to be, if I did this with my boys, it would be the same way. They... One's smiling, one's fighting, one's yelling, right? We know how that is. See, we, we see it in Pinterest, and we think it looks easy. We, we think we know it, but just like Jesus, until we know him on a different level, we, we can't have, he won't affect our lives in the way that he needs to, and we need to let him. There's tons of people around the world who believe different things, but there's not many that wouldn't say that Jesus didn't exist. A lot of people say that Jesus was a good teacher. They believe that Jesus was a good person, but that's the extent of who they see and feel that Jesus is. You know, being in the military, I've been in the military for the last 11 years, being an army chaplain, had the, the privilege and honor to walk beside soldiers who have gone through a lot in the last 11 years in history in the Middle East. And and it's been an honor because what a chaplain is, you get to be a pastor to soldiers. 
to families. You get to walk beside them spiritually. You get to help them out and challenge them and encourage them who are far from their homes, who are far from their churches, from their small groups, who, who don't have many other people to connect to spiritually. And so it's been an honor and privilege. Uh, as they're deployed, I get to deploy with them. As they are experiencing tough struggles and, and things in their lives, I get to be right there beside them to help them out, to guide them through that spiritually. It's an amazing experience, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But in my experience of being a chaplain, I get to be around many people who have different faiths, different backgrounds, and I get to share space with them. And, and to be honest, in our conversations about who Jesus is, I have never heard a negative comment about Jesus. They, they believe that Jesus was a good person, but that's the extent of it. And to be honest, the most of the world, the majority of the world knows that Jesus was around, but that's it. That's the extent of their knowledge. And to be honest, that's why we still have the problems in the world we do today, because we just see Jesus as important to the world. We can think highly of Jesus, but it doesn't mean anything if Jesus is not alive and real to you. I just want to say that again. It, he can be highly thought of, but it means nothing if he is not alive and real to you. Is Jesus important to the world? Yes. Is that enough for us to change our life? No, not necessarily. So yes, Jesus is important to the world. But the second answer that we can have and see in scripture today is Jesus is important to religious people. Jesus' disciples answered his questions about who he was, saying that other people even saw that Jesus was Elijah. He was like Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And at face value, we might think this is an awesome compliment to Jesus. But and spiritually, these guys were giants. They were powerful. In religious circles, they were well-known from their miracles, from their powerful messages that they gave. But Jesus was more than a message and more than miracles. When I was younger, my parents took me to church. We went to church now and then, occasionally. We weren't an every Sunday family. We went when it was convenient, when we could make time for it. And so I had the head knowledge about Jesus, about God, but that was it. Well, I only felt that Jesus was important inside the walls of this building. Graduating from Lee Summit North or going to Lee Summit North and graduating from there here in this community, even though I knew about Jesus, it didn't keep me from drinking. Just knowing about Jesus didn't keep me from walking over people, treating them like dirt. Knowing about Jesus didn't keep me from having a filthy mouth. I didn't even have self-control. And even knowing about Jesus, it didn't keep me from uh, controlling the anger that I had. Just knowing doesn't change us at all. Having head knowledge doesn't do anything. And I had a, a disconnect between my head and my heart. This 18 inches was all the difference. Because I knew what Christians were supposed to look like. I knew what they were supposed to act like and sound like. But I didn't see it a lot because we weren't practicing it. My friends weren't. 
And other people weren't practicing what they believed outside of the walls of the church. A personal and meaningful relationship with Jesus is developed and lived outside of the walls of the church. If we want something different in our lives, if we expect a change in our life, we have to take Jesus outside of this wall right here and take it into our community, into our neighborhoods, schools, and homes. If we never let Jesus penetrate our heart, we should never expect a change within us. Now, we can't keep Jesus at arm length distance because he's never going to change who we are and who uh, and help us in our struggles. To be honest, there's there's struggles that we go through. There's hurts that we go through. We've got family members that are sick. We have disappointments in our lives and letdowns. But without that connecting relationship with Jesus, we'll never get that comfort, have that peace, have that promise in our life. So yeah, Jesus is important to the world. Jesus is important to religious people. But our third answer that we see here is that Jesus is important to me. If we want change, if we want impact in this world, Jesus has to be important to me, to you. Peter, he's often the one who would stand up and and say things, stick his foot in his mouth. But in this passage, Peter gets it right. He gets it right and he says something personal. He gives a personal response to Jesus' question. He says in 1616, you are the Messiah, or even some texts, the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, Peter uses very important and unique titles for Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. (coughs) Messiah is just a Hebrew word for Savior. The word Christ is the Greek word for Savior. Savior is is a personal term. He's saying that, Jesus, you are my Savior, the Son of God. And by stating this, Jesus is, is stating what Jesus has been accomplishing in his life. He's saying that you have changed my life, that you are special and have a unique purpose in this world and in my personal life. Peter wasn't just saying what other people were saying, but rather he was personally, how he personally viewed Jesus. Peter wasn't just saying what everybody else had said, that he was like John the Baptist, somebody important in religious circles, but he had a personal connection with Jesus, how he personally viewed Jesus. And this is how our students have experienced Jesus this last week, these last five days in Tacoa, Georgia. They experienced Jesus personally. This is how the apostles even viewed Jesus personally. And, this, and we can see that in the Apostles' Creed. So look back at the Apostles' Creed. Pull that out in your notes again. Because this is what they said. They said here, what the underlying statement that I had you underline is, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. This is a personal declaration, just like Peter said. There's... There's a personal connection. There's also another word I want to point out in the Apostles' Creed is is the word Lord. We overlook this word so many times. We just let it pass out of our mouth because we have a disconnect on this as well because we don't have many kings today. 
in America. We don't have kings. But the word Lord is best translated as master. As master. When we got back from camp, trying to relax a little bit, my family, we went to go see one of our, our favorite movies, Despicable Me. Uh, Despicable Me 3 just came out, and, and it was a great movie. Uh, but this is how we need to see Lord, Jesus says, Lord, the minions followed, grew, right? They, they would do what he said. They would be involved in his inventions. They would help in the, the, the scheming of the plans. But grew was their Lord. He was their master. They were the servants. They had that relationship. The minions never went out and tried to do a mission on their own, but it was grew who was the mastermind. Now, I'm not trying to compare Jesus to grew, okay? But that relationship. That master and servant relationship, okay? So let me ask you this. Is Jesus master and leader in your decisions? Is Jesus master over your thoughts? Is he master over your actions? What about your finances? In your relationships, is he the one in control or are you the one that is trying to supersede him in your life? Who is in control? He needs to be Lord and master over everything. When we allow Jesus to be personal and Lord of our life, we're able to see and experience his love in a completely different way. He changes us. He shapes us in a different way to be more like him. To have an amazing love that changes us. And one, one of my favorite passages is, is actually from John the Baptist in, in John 3, verse 30, which says this. He says, he must increase, yet I must decrease. He must increase, and I must decrease. This is the attitude of surrender. This is the attitude of submission, See, John the Baptist, he was having his followers because he was important. But he told his people, his followers, look, I'm not the one that you need to follow. I'm not the important one here. He is. Jesus is the one that you need to be following because he is more than anything. He's more than us. He's more than you. He's our Savior. He is Lord and Master. See, when things become important to us, we start treating them different. Because what's important, we need to let take precedence in our life. And to be honest, there's something with all of us in this room that has precedence in our life. And that's going to be our phones. You know why? Because this has our calendars. It has our contacts. It has our photos. It has our social media. It has so many things that we pay attention to and get plugged into. And to be honest... I guarantee you, not one of you guys let this die each day, do you? We carry around even chargers to make sure it's plugged in because we don't want that to die. Well, let me ask you, are you staying plugged into the ultimate power source? Are you letting your spiritual life die? Are you letting your relationship with Jesus be in control, be in charge of who you are, your thoughts and your actions your relationships, finances, all those things that we just talked about. 
That's why our students are so on fire right now. That's why they can walk through a spiritual wall right now because they are so on fire for God because they've spent five straight days with Jesus in a new light where they've been focusing on how much God loves them, how he sees them, and what he's done for them. Five straight days is, if you want to break it down, it's 120 hours. It's three 40-hour work weeks. And to be honest, some of you guys are math guys, and you're like, no, they had to sleep some. (laughs) I don't even have to say anything. You just tell by that. They don't sleep at all, right? Each morning, we would ask, how much sleep did you get? And we'd start at five, four, three, two, one, zero. I mean, they did not sleep at all. So yes, 120 hours plugged into Jesus in an in, in a environment that was life-giving from Jesus. And you know what? On a, on a normal week here, the most dedicated student that shows up on a Wednesday and that shows up on a Sunday only spends three and a half hours a week in a God-centered environment. That's outside of the home. That's if, if our families, if they're in, living in a Christian-centered home. But see, when we spend more time with Jesus, it changes our life. It's not rocket science out there. But let me give you this spiritual equation, because if we want to grow deeper spiritually, we have to increase our time with God, and that equals a deeper relationship with God. Because when we increase our time with God, we get a deeper relationship with God. This is why camp is so important. This is why it's so important to leave home, to leave our comfort zones, to leave our surroundings, because we want to put our focus on Jesus, the time to reset, a reset before school, before we go back into those environments that are challenging and struggling. But you know, I want to be honest with you guys. I want to be just transparent because I've led mission trip teams. I've led camp experiences before. And to be honest, I've wondered, I bet you've even wondered this too. How long is this going to last? Is this just a spiritual high? Is this something that they're just going to get over with when they get back into their regular routines? But, But if we want to see lasting spiritual change in this generation right here, we have to stop asking, how long is this going to last? And we need to change the question and really ask, how long can I help this last? We have to be a part of the spiritual equation. We have to be a part of the help here. We just can't let our students lead us. They're leading us right now spiritually because they are on fire and hopping for God right now. But we have to be a part of the solution. Because when we spiritually care about this generation... We're going to be making a difference in our own life. We're going to be changing things in our life to keep them connected to Jesus as long as we can and as much as they can. You know, I was in Boy Scouts. And and, and one great thing that I learned in Boy Scouts was how to start a fire. (laughs) I was just that pyro kid. And I know some of you guys are too. I do know that. All right. So quit, quit acting like you're not. But I, I would love to play with fire. 
and, and see what I could do without getting burned. I mean, I love to make the biggest fires because I loved how beautiful and bright that flame was. But you could feel that heat. You could feel the difference when you would spray a little bug spray on <laughs> When you'd put some hairspray on it. I, I'll keep it to the minimum to not teach them anymore. But you, you get the gist, right? When you add those fuel to the fire, it changes things. And I want to let you guys know that that we all carry a spiritual bucket. We carry a spiritual bucket. And and let me ask you, what are you putting inside of it? Are you putting something that's going to keep their fire going? Are you going to put fuel in this bucket? Or are we going to put water in it? Because these kids' lives are changed right now. And if you want to see them keep going and living for Jesus... And we got back. They're, they're already doing Bible studies at IHOP. They're meeting, doing grills and barbecues already. They're, 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 they're even asking their question to themselves. How long can we keep this going? So are you going to see how long this is going to go? Are you going to fill your bucket with fuel and help them keep it going? Or are we going to be putting it out by sharing our doubts? by sharing those things that discourage us. So practically speaking, and as we finish, I've got three practical tips to keep the spiritual fire burning. Because what we can do is first off, one is first show up. Be in a God-centered environment. Show up. Keep, Keep encouraging your students to show up on Wednesdays. Show up on Sundays for Bible study digging into the word, connecting with your small groups, with your leaders. Second of all is get involved. Get involved. You know, I've seen the longest lasting impact in students is when their parents are involved. When their parents get involved, they get to see what's going on and they get to carry that on throughout the rest of the week. And you know, in our, our worship guide, we've got a little, little card thingy. <laughs> Just put your, put your name, put your email, put your phone number on it. And I'd love to follow up with you on how you can get involved in student ministry. Because you know what the best ratio for student ministry and any, really any family ministry is one-on-one. It's not one to 15, which we have. We have that. We need more adults. We need more family members involved. The third part is, is model it. Model it at home. Because we can continue to model our faith at home. Because you know what? These teenagers are smart. They can, they can call a bluff when they see it. And that might hit a little hard on you, but, but I'm just being honest. Because faith is caught more than it's taught. If you're not real with God, these students are going to see it and they're not going to be real with God. They're going to see that fake relationship and and they're not going to see God as important in their life. So what are you doing to model it? And part of that modeling is this, is I want to ask you, do you see your teen's friends 
as a ministry in your home? <laughs> this is where I get emotional because when I met my wife, I didn't know she was going to be my wife, but her family poured into me as a bratty, jerk teenager that I was. Where I was far from God, but they saw a spiritual potential in my life where they saw me as a ministry and do you see your friend your students friends as a ministry they might be annoying eating all your cereal <laughs> they might just show up during dinner time but you know what their friends <laughs> their friends are going to be their battle buddies on the on the battlefield who do you want them fighting the fight with to be honest just like how it ended up with me. Your son who texts that girl late at night. That daughter that texts that boy could be their future spouse. Are you praying for them? Are you praying for them and, and, and modeling your faith for them? Because when we see the spiritual potential in, in, in students and kids that are far from God, we get to see a change. Jesus being personal to us. We can want it, we can desire it, but unless we're willing to make a relationship with Jesus, we won't be changed. And we won't be able to help our students continue to grow. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads.